Well, it's the last Tuesday travel. Travel has been part of the right hook now for over 14 years of its existence. Uh, And who knows, in the new lunchtime show starting on the 12th of September, who knows what we'll be doing. But uh, Monko McGann has arrived here suitably dressed for the final programme. Uh, where are we going, Moncon? On the last one. <laughs> Suitably dressed. The barb, the last, it keeps on going. I thought you were yes. going to be kind for once. Yes. I, w- I want to look at Dubai. This yeah. is like, I thought I would never in my life look at Dubai. And yet, it is finally beginning to show us an element of itself. So it had the, 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 the reputation of being this air-conditioned consumerist wasteland, a place of sort of ladies wearing Versace, Versace sunglasses and, and men in long uh, white dishtasha. And it does have that. But the thing is, it has, well, actually, only since piracy in Somalia, only in the last decade, it has entirely rejuvenated itself. What has piracy in Somalia got to do with it? So everything. So you remember, you used to go to Dubai and you'd go and see a fake souk and then you'd see a fake dhow, the old trading boats that have been there since the 18th, 19th century, bringing goods up and down through Iran and um, to uh, the coast of Africa. And it had all closed down, you know, because everything was now going on flights. So there would be one or two fake dhows for tourists to take a picture of. Then comes along piracy in Somalia and no modern airline or cargo uh, company, ship container company, will go near the place to bring their deliveries in. Okay, Now, as we know, a magical rule happened in the 19th century. The emir of of, um, Dubai made the town, he realised it was a sleepy little port that no one had any interest in, so he made it entirely tax-free in about 1898. And uh, it is still tax-free. Okay, So now... Every uh, sort of businesses from all around the world, from China, from South Korea, from Singapore, from America, from Europe, can drop their goods down in Dubai, pay no charge for it. It is then brought out on carts and donkeys and sort of the backs of trailers down to the Dow wharfage, down to the the old harbour, and it is put onto these dows, onto these wooden boats, which are made in South India. They're hand-carved on the beach by huge, vast tropical timbers in Gujarat, brought over here, and stevedores are hand-carrying them, just like they did in the 19th century, loading up the the dows and sailing them. It's one-day trip to Iran, which, you know, it's hard for, for the modern world to import into Iran now to get by the sanctions the sanctions these you know these sort of medieval fishermen can just escape all that can go right around it and it's a seven day trip down to Somalia and because a pirate isn't going to go near a wooden boat which is nothing to rob except a few bits of air conditioner or the the um the sort of Nutella boxes that they're trying to deliver into the place so it's 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 no one could have guessed this was going to happen so now you'll have hundreds of multicolored wooden medieval boats to, uh, tied up three or four to a row in the in the harbour and where are all those I mean these people these fishermen are they're, these, even the captain is probably earning maybe 100 euros a month maximum okay his crew is earning less so this is a genuine almost medieval trade and where are they going to buy all their goods they can't go to the Versace Mall with the limousines and the, and the, and the Lamborghinis pull up outside they go to either the well the, the Boer Dubai souk which is a slightly posh souk, souk but normally they go to Dera souk so Dera uh, you know the uh, Dubai is divided between two, two, two sides you could say Boer Dubai and Dera the Dera Souk, the market, has again has rejuvenated from this. So you'll go to the old Spice Souk, which was a, just a tourist thing, like in Istanbul, you take your photo and you're gone. It is now vibrant with all of these um, 
you know, the, a lot of the, the the crew aren't clearly. They're not from. They're not from Emirates. You know, they're from um, the Philippines. They're from um, sure, yeah. Pakistan. They're from all over the world. So you go now to the the souk, uh, the spice souk, and there is like cardamom being unloaded, star anise, saffron, vanilla from Comoros, South African rubus, indigo from Bangladesh, in these huge burlap sacks carried on people's backs, put there uh, with the shisha pi- pipes and the henna kits. So this vibrancy, it actually right. feels genuine. Now the interesting thing about Dubai. I think because I mean you know I always look at these places quite differently from you mm-hmm. you right the thing about Dubai first of all is that you can get there from Dublin that's a huge plus mm-hmm. Emirates fly twice a day yeah. now the other huge advantage is we were always used to Erlinga so we were always looking westward right with the arrival of the Emirates we started looking eastward mm-hmm. so now we can go to Dubai we can go to Australia we can mm-hmm. go to New Zealand we can go to South Africa we can go to the Middle East, we can go to the Far East, we can go to Japan, mm-hmm. we can go to all these kind of places out of Dubai. That's point number one. Nice. So, you have two choices mm-hmm. here. You can stay in Dubai, mm-hmm. you have to choose your time pretty carefully. Like, I wouldn't go next week <laughs> because it's likely to be 40 degrees, yeah. right? So, you choose your time. Mm-hmm. Hotels are super. It also has, of course, the the, the seven star ho- uh, hotel, uh, the Burj Al Arab. You know where you can't just actually go in for afternoon tea. You have to make an appointment to get past the security man. But it's an extraordinary hotel. Yeah. Okay. So if you stay there. Now, you have no interest. I've now lost you completely. You can play fabulous golf, right? Yeah. I've lost you. I, I know I've lost <laughs> you. But you were also, I think, quite dismissive of the souk. I found this souk very interesting. Mm -hmm. I went to the gold souk now, miserably, but Mm -hmm. I found it very interesting. No, it is, and it's a real thing. It's not a fake souk. You can feel that, don't you? Like, there are people trading, and you'll get a bargain there. Well, the thing the fella keeps saying to Mm -hmm. you, because in these souks, there is a bit of bargaining going on. You know, he says 100 and you say 80 or whatever. But what he does say to you is, look, Gold has a value. So if I'm giving you a discount, I'm giving you a discount on the workmanship, not on the gold. Mm-hmm. Because gold has the same value in Dubai as it has in London. So it's quite interesting to do that. The other thing about Dubai I think is important is compared with particularly, say, Saudi Arabia, it's a very liberal uh, place. Yes, it's true. So you can get a drink. Exactly. I mean, the emirs were always aware that they wanted to make it an international hub and to do that, they couldn't impose their own rules and they had to be open to the world. And it does have that. I mean, so th- there are a sense in the rules that you are not going to see any graffiti anywhere. You will never see a Coca-Cola can bobbing in the in the, in the sort of in the fountain in front of the, in the Burj Khalifa. Um, there is no boorish behaviour, no inebriated or drunken exterior um, uh, behaviour. People know that they need to keep a rule. But as you say, it is not as... Uh, strict as hard uh, as the rest. It's basically like Disney Arabica. It's like an ultra clean version of the of Egypt. Huge number of Irish there. Yes, yeah, and more so the whole time. It's true. And what's interesting is they, if you ask them, okay, is it only a soulless place? They said it might have started that way. But what you're getting is you're now getting the second generation Pakistanis and Filipinos and people who helped build it. And those children had a good upbringing. You know, their parents were working all day and night either building or cleaning places. The children got got educated and they're now setting their own sort of marginal alternative arts centres and musical hubs. So there's a lot more going on. 
But the, the main things people, well, first, as you say, normally when we talk about flights, you mentioned Emirates, normally when we talk about flying direct, it's always double the cost. So I say, I tell you, when we, okay, you can fly somewhere for 480 euros and if you fly direct, uh, you know, if you, from London and if you go direct from Dublin, it'll cost you a grand. That's what I say week in, week out for the last two and a half years. The beauty about Dubai and Emirates is it's going to cost you 540 direct from Dublin. That's really rare. Like 540 direct um, and that's, as you say, because they don't really care. For them, it's just a hub to get people to Dubai and get them elsewhere. So it makes a lot of sense to go there if you can see things beyond the, the you know the, the the famous the famous symbols of sort of overt splendor was the aquarium in the Dubai Mall. Yeah, so, yeah. So you can either in the Dubai Mall is like one of the enormous sort of temple to shopping and to lure people in. They created this mall. You can see it for free from within the mall. But if you want to get right in under the mall, they have these water tubes, arches, water sort of glass bridges that you can walk under. And you're, on either side, you are sharks and stingrays and sort of huge schools of pelagic fish. They now even, the, the aquarium is so big that they allow scuba diving and shark diving within a cage to get right up close, which you normally only do in the ocean. I mean, the scale of this in the middle of a desert is, is like phenomenal. But they, they also have ski runs, like, I mean, <laughs> they no, do, yeah. 40 degrees centigrade, yeah. they have ski runs. But... I, I think it, it, what has happened with Dubai, mm-hmm. if you're going to stay in Dubai, mm-hmm. there is no more. Like when I first went there, yeah. believe it or not, I first went there in about 1991, mm-hmm. right? So that's about 25 years, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, yeah no, exactly. It? No, 15. 25. No, it's 25. 25. 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine what it was like 25 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, interestingly, mm-hmm. If you go to Dubai and your flight leaves at three o'clock, yeah. right, you you have to add about two extra hours on your arrival time because the Dubai duty free, whether you buy something or you don't buy something, mm-hmm. is just an unbelievable pleasure mm-hmm. run by an Irishman. And it's been run by an Irishman since I went down there. He was in charge fella called McLaughlin, he was in charge. Both his brothers played for Ireland at rugby. Minor piece of trivia. But the duty-free is fantastic. Mm. Now, there's another thing. You see, I have to bring this back to kind of sanity for ordinary people who don't wear sandals um, and eat muesli. The thing is that... It's the final show. Could you not be gentle on the final show and eat muesli? Just shut up. Uh, look, you've employed me to do this. I've, I've no more patience for you now. I, I am going to go on with this thing now. And All right. Rather than you and your and your duty free. The only thing I'm going to say, go to you, finally. Go Will you let me have one final word on the final show? Yes. The... the um, if you're with Emirates mm. and you're going onwards to Australia, mm-hmm. like now some people can do this 24-hour trip. I can't. There is a hotel. It's the only place I've ever seen it within the terminal. So you don't go through passport control. You don't go through uh, baggage or anything. You just go straight to the hotel. So if you're overnighting and picking up a flight the following day, the International Terminal Hotel is a place to stay. Now, for the rest of the show, it's all yours. I won't say a word. Okay, what I want people to see, so as you, you mentioned the Burj Al Arab, the 1990-90, this, this gr- graceful silhouette, this monster hotel, which has been since been uh, sort of uh, bettered by the Burj Khalifa, which is like... Uh, 
what is it? How tall is it? Oh, 828 metres uh, tall of a, of a building with observation decks on the 124. This isn't the same place now. No, the Burj, no, the Burj Al Arab was the hotel, the famous hotel that you yeah. said, which you need to reserve. Had seven stars. Exactly. And you need to reserve to get to get into. And in fact, it'll cost you, like, uh, it, uh, you know, so you say you get a reservation for afternoon tea, you can go in there or even for cocktails. But the afternoon tea is going to cost you 150 euros. The cocktail is going to cost you 70 euros minimum. But it is worth it because, well, it's, I don't know, is it worth it? It's worth it to try and get into the building because that lobby in the Burj Al Arab is 180 metres tall. Like the, the Statue of Liberty could sit, could, could live inside of this massive columns going up a whole bank of um, chauffeur-driven Rolls-Royce limousines outside. And that was the pinpoint, the, the, the epitome of... of um of, Bang- of uh, Bangkok, until, of, of Dubai, until along comes the Burj Khalifa. Is the Burj Al Arab run by an Irishman, don't forget. I had no idea that. Okay. Yeah, but chief executive is Irish. Oh, right. So well, they, they are the bling elements. But what's interesting is the historical district, the Al Fahadi district, used to be called the, the Bastakia Quarter. And so when in like the, uh, in the sort of 1898, the Emir gives it to the Persians, it allows the Persians to come in to trade, gives them free trade, they settle themselves here and they build this old traditional architecture. It's a network of old laneways that would have been entirely destroyed, except in the 1980s, along comes Prince Charles on holiday. And he says, my golly, this is a nice area. You should preserve this area. Prince Charles did? Yeah. Really? And then, yeah, and then some of the last remaining Persian people, um, sort of, uh, whose family had been pearl dealers and gold dealers and traders, also gathered money and preserved. There's about fifty buildings, which are like museums, craft shops, culture exhibits, courtyard cafes, all showing the old, ma- the old sort of architecture and the old architecture. Because as you say, it does reach thirty-eight degrees Celsius in the height of summer. But they have these cooling towers, a traditional way of managing to bring uh, to to bring the hot air out of the building and then to bring cool air down, keep it in. Uh, in these enclosed courtyards and the ideal thing is if you could I mean stay if you want in one of those big flashy hotels but inside this area in the Al Fahadi historic district are some some hotels which um, sort of have that old 19th century feel to them which is definitely but, uh, worth uh, saying Can I just stop you here Go a minute on. like last week we were in Singapore mm-hmm. okay and you talked about places that in six trips to mm. Singapore I'd never seen. Yeah. And, and was now admittedly I haven't been there since 2012, so mm-hmm. I have an excuse. Mm. But again, I've been in Dubai mm-hmm. 10 times yeah. and have never seen so many of the things you're talking about mm-hmm. here. And I'm hugely at a loss. And therefore people listening who, mm-hmm. who might be booking an Emirates flight to Australia or, or the Far East mm-hmm. or whatever should contemplate. Yeah. A few days in Dubai. Exactly. And, and the thing is, get out of the city centre. So as we know, the Emirates are really weird. It's all different little uh, little Emirates controlled by different emirs. But if you get out right next to, you know, is to emir, but the, uh, right next is to Oman. But there are amazing outdoor activities, ecological. So the Emir- Dubai itself has probably the highest um, per capita water use in the world. In terms of green statistics, it wasn't great, but they are beginning to do so. They're beginning to realise they're going to have to cut down their carbon footprint. And at the moment, if you as a holidaymaker want to do it, go out hiking in the, du- in the Dubai mountains. Hatta is the sort of the main area. And the original Dubaian royal family, the village that they came from, is still there surrounded with groves of date palms. There are no Dubaian farmers, clearly they're all too rich. They're sort of Pakistani farmers instead. 
um, who are minding the old artesian wells that have operated there for, for 200 the years. The water thing's really interesting mm-hmm. because the first time I went there in 91 yeah. and, and I played golf, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the thing was, I saw a statistic for the amount of water the golf course was consuming and I was thinking, here we are in the desert and we're consuming this enormous amount of water playing golf. Yeah. In terms of desalinization, it's frightening. But the thing is, the emirs are now welcoming an era of post-oil. So Dubai has never made much money from oil, about 10%, you know, because there's no oil in the city. Dubai is just a city-state. It's made 80% of its money from trade. But clearly, the Emirates in general were were taking 80% of their money from oil. They realise they can't do it anymore. So in Dubai, just outside Dubai, is going to be the largest solar farm in the world. They're currently developing it. They also, right outside Abu Dhabi, they built Mastar City, which was um, the local, the Emirates gave $22 billion towards creating the carbon neutral city of the future. It's so worth getting to see Mastar City. It's only like an hour drive out from um, from Dubai. It, it, it's a failed experiment. Well, it's not Why a, is it a failed experiment? So they set up in 2006. 2006 okay. with 22 billion. Okay? So it was going to be the future. That amount of money, that was only the seed money from the Emirates. The rest of the world promised that they would match that money. Then along comes 2008 and all the banks just put the stops on it but they had already built all these buildings which are use about a third or less of the electricity and of carb of yeah of of of, of power than the Dubai buildings so it's a, they're showing how to do it and there's 30 300 far, firms already there the international renewable energy agency has okay. taken a six story they created this network of driverless electric cars uh, the first this was back in 2006 2008 they built the first two stops on it and you just it's just like a, a, a sort of sci-fi movie you pop into this little pod car it brings you around but they've abandoned that now because they didn't know that Americans were going to take such leaps with their electric cars so you don't need sort of driverless ones that go from A to B the All future right. of electric cars go over here but it's an amazing example there's a whole university there which if you want you can study there for free your accommodation is for free to stay in the Mazdar Institute of Science and Autonomous Transport Systems to see what the future of um desert, carbon-neutral cities in the desert are going to be like. Like, no one knows about Mastar. It's it's just as an example of what the world will go to. Um, and people always thought it was a dead, but no, you can stay okay. there. Yeah. All right, it's Tuesday Travel with Moncon again. The last one, sadly, as the right hook draws to a close next Friday. Moncon's been here now, following in the footsteps of uh, uh, two previous Tuesday Travel presenters. And... Uh, um, the the uh, Mr. Davenport and of course the great you Jimmy Gee who kicked it off all of fourteen years ago. Um, Emirates fly us to to Dubai and fly us mm-hmm. onwards. This isn't this is a city state in which I've learned more in the last sort of 20 minutes mm-hmm. than I did on six trips there. Yeah, well, the final thing I want you to do, so as you said, get out of Dubai, go hiking in the Dubai mountains. As I said, sometimes you'll have to go through, um, to get out to the Hajar mountains, you'll have to go through Oman to, to get on the way to it. But in this area is the Majar Desert Resort, resort which is like this... A, a, 5% of the landmass of Dubai has in is, is a desert conservation area and you can go hiking there without you're not going to see another person but if you want to go scuba diving or snorkeling go to the uh, emirate of Fujarha 
Uh, again, it's not far. It's just across. It's like a, 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 a quick taxi ride across the desert. And you've got this extensive coral reef alive with a million different tropical fish, um, an array, and also an array of really interesting shipwrecks that are there for scuba All right, diving. But I mm-hmm. suspect mm-hmm. that you were like me before, mm-hmm. you know, we started really thinking about this, that Dubai was a city-state that had more cranes than any other city on Earth, that had more... Uh, development than any other city on earth. And here suddenly is this extraordinary place, which in fact, I think the more we talk about it, if I got an Emirates flight now to Australia, New Zealand, like I'd done before, or to Hong Kong or, or, or wherever, or Sri Lanka, all these places I've used Emirates to go to, I just missed a great opportunity of seeing these wonderful things in Dubai. And people should really, providing you pick your time, that's the crucial thing. You've got to pick You're just going to be hiding in the air-conditioned building. The one final note I'd say is if you're going to to Dubai, make sure you connect up with the Sheikh Mohammed Centre for Cultural Understanding. So that is the local Muslim people who are trying to explain their culture. They will bring you on a tour of the Jumeirah Mosque, one of the few mosques that allow in outsiders, and at the end will be a question and answer. And all they want to do is try and explain the Muslim world, the world of Islam to people. And they will also give you a tour around that Al-Fahid historic district that I talked about. So you'll see it from their eyes, you know. And they'll bring you out in the street where people are still playing dominoes and cards late into the night. The men are discussing the great issues of the world, like has been done in Arabia for like 500, 600 years. All right. Well, look, thanks for the best part of three years. Dedicated research and devotion to the Tuesday uh, travel segment on The Right Hook. Uh, The Right Hook comes off the air on Friday and then on uh, Monday, 12th September, I'll be back between uh, 12 noon and 2 p.m. with uh, the new lunch program and uh, I'm going talking to Moncon now and his uh, solicitor and his agent and all these heavy hitters as we discuss more of the enormous amount of money he's paid by the program to deliver the best travel information that money can buy. Moncon, thanks so much. Thank you so much, George.